Um, I, I chase him down. I say, how do you do it? I watch him do it. And this is what discipleship is, right? Discipleship isn't just, I read it in a book and I go and do it. I see it exampled in someone else's life. And so then I can imitate what he does. And so I endeavor to do that. And so I just, I invited Pastor Tom and Lynn to share this morning. They both have a passion to share Jesus with other peoples. And I just want them to share their heart and impart to you uh, that thing which they've imparted to me, this desire to preach the gospel to win souls. Amen? Uh, Have your liberty. Thank you, Pastor Matt. You got to love these guys. Actually, I... Lynn and I were a, a little bit surprised. We thought you were going to have us come up here for a marriage seminar or something like that. You know, like I was going to be able to, time. I was going to teach on uh, the three components of men apologizing to their wives. You know, honey, I'm sorry. I could teach that. I was wrong for leaving the toilet seat up in the middle of the night. It won't happen again, but maybe we can come back another time for that. You never know. Anyway, let's pray. Father God. We thank you so much uh, for what you're doing in the life of redeeming love. And Lord, Lynn and I are just willing vessels this morning. Uh, We lay aside any of the preparation of the heart and we say, have your way, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, honey, here we are. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Seems like Lynn and I are the, the subject of a little controversy. Uh, some of our close friends insist that we have the gift of an evangelist. Ephesians chapter 4 says, and he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, uh, some to be evangelists, some to be pastor teachers. And um, we, we, don't, we don't see we don't that. I don't think we have that. Gift. Yeah, we don't see that. <laughs> and so, uh, but what we are is we're responsible believers. And we, we hope by the end of the teaching, we can maybe impart some of that to you. I know I have the pastor gift. For the last 46 years, I've, I've endeavored to, to serve in that capacity, 33 of those years here uh, with Lynn. And so we, we know, hopefully you know what your calling is and you know what your gifting is. But what we hope to impart this morning is that you know what your responsibility is. Every believer has a responsibility to share their faith. And so this morning, uh, we're just going to teach and testify about something that the Lord has done with and through us as we've had the privilege to partner with the Lord Jesus. Look at that scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23. That's an amazing scripture. It says, uh, out of the Passion Translation, uh, thank you, Linda and Jimmy, for turning us on to that. They get gifted us with a Bible. I've done all this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Do you know that every one of us who's been born again are partners with the Lord Jesus? He's the senior partner. We're the junior partner. He gives the orders and the directives, and he empowers us to carry out what he says. Remember, he's never responsible to do what he didn't say. So you can't say, well, God's going to do this and God's going to do that because he's not responsible to do what he doesn't say. Now, if he quickens you with a rhema word, a a very ready word, he'll do it. And so we're privileged to be partners with the Lord Jesus. So let's get started. Let's engage our brain right now. 
Lenny, why don't you ask that question? Why did uh, Jesus come? Simple as that. Why well, did Jesus come to earth? What was his purpose? What was his mission? What was his primary mission? I'm hearing you. Pastor Matt knows. <laughs> to seek. And save. The lost. That's right. That mission has not changed. That's right. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his mission is the same yesterday, today, and until he returns again. Luke uh, 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You keep that in mind. That's the mission. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We'll ask you another question. What was Jesus' strategy for winning the world? Disciples. Ah, she got it. She's got it. Jesus' strategy... Was he invested in 12 disciples. He ministered to lots of people, to the multitudes, but he poured himself specifically into 12 disciples, yeah. and they disciple others, and on and on it goes. So what Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See, most of us have followed Jesus. We're Christ followers. We can say, oh, yeah, I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. And, and we really obey the first part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. But the vast majority of us aren't fishers of men. Yeah. We're followers of Christ. Yeah, amen, brother. Where do you go to church? Who do you fellowship with? Yeah, I'm a believer. But we're not fishers of men. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Lynn, why don't you share your heart? All right. First of all, I just want to say I was saved at the age of 10 through a neighbor who shared the gospel with us. And then I went to a church that really taught us he that winneth souls is wise and it's all about evangelism. And I kind of took on this method, got to preach the gospel, got to preach the gospel. And there was even one method where you shared four verses and then you closed the deal. You didn't say to them, would you like to receive Christ? You said, bow your head right now and pray the prayer. Well, you know what? Praying the prayer doesn't save us. We Amen. all know that. Amen. In fact, I think it was Stacy once that asked me, where's that prayer in the Bible? And um, we put it into prayer formula to help us realize that this person is really receiving the Lord. Um, so we don't want to cram it down people's throat. But the reason my husband said we don't believe we're evangelists is so that we can say anybody can do this. We don't believe we have the gift of evangelists. By the same token, we've heard so many people say to us, well, we don't share our faith like you because you guys are evangelists. We don't have that gift. And I'm sorry to say that's a crock because we're all supposed to share our faith. We don't have the gift, and you're going to see how God has used us. So, so, honestly, when we sat down before the Lord and said, how do we deliver this message? We realized if we are just ready, willing, and available, we can watch what God can do. It's not even, you've heard the cliche, ready, willing, and able. Most of the times, you're going to see from my testimony, I did not feel able to share the gospel. And God just did amazing things through us. And we know how our big God works when we get low. So one thing that really, um, oh, I just want to say, too, you know, we use that as an excuse. I don't have the gift of evangelists. But the other excuse we use sometimes is, well, the Holy Spirit didn't move me. 
And I'm sorry to say, I know Paul said he was compelled or constrained to give the gospel, but I don't feel compelled and constrained a lot of the times. But God opens up a door, and I'm willing, and I walk through. Now, my wife is sweet, but she can be direct. Remember the time when you first came here? Someone came up to you and said, aren't you glad you're in a spirit-filled church? And then, bam, right between the eyes. What did you say? What you, did I say? You said, well, if I'm in a spirit, I, I, if I'm in a, a spirit-filled church, how come nobody's getting saved? Yeah. And we had some outreaches in prison ministries and... It was such an opportunity to give the gospel, and I didn't see it done. And, but anyhow, you know what? I have to examine my own heart because when I'm really following Jesus, I make, I'm being a fisher of men. And when I'm not, I tend to kind of let it slip well, and not be sensitive kind of to the flesh. I'm in the, we'll do marriage counseling another time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, we need to, maybe we need to go. But um, Anyhow, Pastor Matt has heard me several times talk about one of my personal favorite passages of Scripture, and it's John 17. And did you ever read a passage of Scripture and it just becomes life to you? And you tell other people about it and it just doesn't click with them, but to you it was Rhema, it was God spoke to you through that. So I was in my 20s and um, had actually just lost a friend, and I opened up the Bible to John 17. Now, John 17 is called Jesus' high priesthood prayer or high priestly prayer because in it, he's showing that he's the mediator between God and man. And this book that I read, the author said, actually, this should be called the Lord's Prayer because in the Lord's Prayer, he was teaching his disciples how to pray. But in this prayer, it's the Son of God praying to God the Father. And to me, that's so sacred and we're listening in. And what's he praying about? He's praying about us. He's praying about us. I'm not going to share the whole passage because it's lengthy, but I do encourage you to read John 17 and meditate on it. But I will read um, verse 18. Or is that 16? That's uh, 18. 18. I don't have my glasses. I don't want to wear my glasses. I'm trying not to. That's why I um, put it on. <laughs> it's in huge print. Um, so basically, what Je- just to give you a little background, Jesus has not gone to the cross yet. He's about to go to the cross and, and die for our sins. But he's talking as if it's done, as if he's already gone to the cross. And he says to God, just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I also have commissioned and sent them into the world, believers, disciples. And then in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. And then ultimately he's saying that they may be one as I'm in you, Father, and you are in me. And so I just saw in this, I guess what I'm trying to say is this gave me an eternal perspective. And I know sometimes we get caught up with the menial tasks of the day and, and with life, but ultimately God had this plan. A fellowship was broken in the garden, um, and God made a plan to reconcile us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was about to finish the work. And in this passage, he's saying, I'm about to be restored, God, to you. I'm about to go back to heaven and be in the glory that I, the glorious place that I held before the world began. And so what excitement that he's going to go back to his father and he's finished the work. But now it's like he's saying, Okay, tag, you're it. You know, the disciples, you're it. 
and then the disciples teach people, and then on and on it goes to us, and we teach the next generation and the next generation. So, so are you pretty clear that this refers to us? This is also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. It's come down through the generations to us. It's to the people you're going to witness to, right, honey? So in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. This scripture is hooked with Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission. Now, you've heard this referred to as the Great Commission, correct? Yes? Yes. Okay. It's not the great suggestion. Amen. It's the great commission. And this is not just directed to the apostles and, and the disciples who were there in his hearing. This is directed all to us. So he sends all of us and he equips all of us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to talk to people about Jesus. So look, we just want to, in the first 10 minutes, clear everything up. All of us, Lynn and I, we are without excuse. We've all been called. Mm -hmm. So you see, when I read the word, here's what I do. I read the word as though this Bible was written to me. And so I read it like this. Tom, Lynn, I am to go into all of my world and share the good news with everyone. Tom, I am to position myself before God and petition the Holy Spirit for a fresh daily filling that will empower me to share my faith. This is how I read this. So now, how we share Jesus is what we're going to teach and and testify on. We're going to highlight uh, this with with a few testimonies. And so we got to get out of our head the, 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 the picture of the guy on the street corner with a bullhorn yeah. saying you're all, you know, turn s- sinners, turn or burn, you're all going to hell. we got to get rid of that thinking. I mean, that can be effective in some situations, but we're really talking about lifestyle evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just loving people where they're at. And sharing Jesus is all about sharing God's supernatural seeds. So let's just take a moment. We're going to talk about, uh, just real quickly hit on the the parable of the sower and the seed, which is revelatory. Lynn and I, we really connect with that. Uh, So more than uh, evangelists, we just see ourselves as farmers, sowers. We just see ourselves as people who sow, sow God's seed, sow God's seed, sow God's seed. Matthew 4, 14 in the Amplified says, the sower sows the word of God, the good news regarding the way of salvation. That's what we do. We sow the word of God. The New Living Translation says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Let me share a thing about God's seed. Okay, so I'm going to ask you something. Is a seed alive? Pastor Matt, don't answer this. <laughs> Is a seed alive? Yeah? I looked it up last night. A seed is alive. There is an embryo of a plant inside of every seed, which is amazing. And there's this tree called the Methuselah tree. 2,000 years ago in King Herod's palace, I don't know if you know about this, um, there were some seeds left behind, and those seeds were discovered. 
and three of those 2,000-year-old seeds were planted in 2005. You're learning something, aren't you, Pastor Matt? Um, they were planted in 2005, and one of them sprouted and grew. And ultimately, I guess they had to get a female tree to put with it for the pollination. But that tree is alive right now, and it's a palm tree, and it's producing figs. And I thought, that's amazing. So sometimes when we sow, we can't always discern whether the soil of somebody's heart is soft. Sometimes when we sow, we sow in faith. And sometimes we sow a seed, and it doesn't germinate. Uh, hopefully it's not 2,000 years, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, know what I mean? Someone else comes along and waters. And, and the seed grows. So we just sow in faith, um, and we try to be led of the Spirit. So there is power in a seed. On the way out, I grabbed some bird seed, and I thought, wow, we sustain a lot of wildlife with this seed. And I just started thinking about seed and the power within a seed to produce a tree. And then that tree, if it's healthy, reproduces, and on and on it goes, kind of like discipleship and sharing the gospel. Um, one of the favorite verses I have that it's a convicting verse to me, is Romans 1.16, and you all know it. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel is that seed. I mean, it's Jesus himself that, that likens the gospel to a seed. And I think if you really did a study on the seed, you'd get more revelation on that. Um, we all know, Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Some versions say the word of God is alive. It's like that seed. And so what I'm trying to say is like a farmer. A farmer's just a farmer, right? I mean, he might know some techniques, but we're the farmers, and we don't really need to know a lot. We need to be ready, willing, and available. Right. But, but the power is in the seed. And all we are asked by the Lord is to share the seed. And it's really an awesome privilege, isn't it? Yeah. And, and some, what do we, we, we do it in tears sometimes, but then we reap a harvest. When we reap a soul, oh my gosh, the joy. Mm. It's one of the greatest joys I've ever known is yeah. leading someone to Christ. So what Lynn is saying is about the powers in the seed. It's not so much what we say. Say what the word says. You know, learn to, to, to apply the word, and as you share, you don't have to say, well, the Bible says. Just quote the scripture. Don't say the Bible says. Yep. Just quote the scripture. So um, what, really what you and I just do is we make ourselves uh, available every day. Now, we don't do this because I'm retired. You do this while you're working. Don't, don't steal from your employer and, and, and evangelize on the job. Just, you know... Coffee break, lunch hour, on the way out, on the way in, you know, be, be, be a good witness about this. But you can find time to share Christ with anybody in your world of influence. And so sharing Jesus is all about sowing God's supernatural seed into the hearts and the lives of the people. Now, now this is the point we want to make. It's not always about sharing salvation scriptures. You really want to be careful when you talk with someone to listen more than you talk. I like what you were saying earlier about, you know, you were taught, Lynn went to Bible school for five years, and, and so a lot of what they were taught was, you know, close the deal. Uh, and, uh, you know, or that was before you went to Bible school. They straightened you out in Bible school. <laughs> 
It's not about closing the deal. It's about sharing God's love with people. So some of the seed that you may sow is really God's love or God's compassion or God's kindness or maybe generosity or maybe helping somebody. There's all different kinds of seed you sow to break up the soil in the person's heart. So now we want to get uh, into maybe uh, just highlighting. Oh, man, we thought back over the years. We've been together 33 years and... uh, I just want to take the opportunity to say it's a long time. <laughs> it's really been the best 33 years of, of your life. life. But anyway, <laughs> it's um, just want to share a little. We just thought of so yeah, yeah, it gets old, doesn't it? But there's a lot of new faces here that have never heard that. Anyway, uh, we want to just maybe share a few testimonies and and highlight kind of how this 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 works, you know, for us. Um, look at First Peter chapter three, uh, 15 and 16. Um, If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. You want to be ready. Some scriptures say, you know, when it's convenient, when it's not in season and out of season. You want to be ready to share your faith. Um, Lynn, why don't you tell us about Teresa? All right. Well, first of all, it wasn't in Bible college where I learned to close the deal. It was I'm in a, sorry. It was in a denominational church. And, and I learned a lot, and I learned my scriptures. But in Bible college, we used to go out um, onto the streets and witness. You called them blitzes. We called them blitzes. But we, we, I went to Bible college. I majored in Christian ed. But once a week, we were required to go out and put our faith into action on the streets. And we would go two by two. Often I went with my good friend Monica. And we had a pastor overseeing us, and he'd say, be back on the bus in an hour and a half or whatever, and, you know, just be prayerful. So that was more spirit-led, which was the opposite of the first method that I had learned, which was give these scriptures, make them read it, and then make them bow their head and pray, kind of. So this was, you go out on the streets, you be spirit-led, and one of you should give the gospel while the other one just prays. And boy, we saw God do amazing things. And this, um, this pastor was amazing. He planted a, a number of churches in Finland, and he's still going strong. So, This well, is about Teresa. This is about Teresa, but first of all, our points are be ready, willing, and available, and watch what God would do. Um, and I do have to touch on something. First of all, how are we to be ready, and why are we to be ready? Well, Ephesians 6.15, you all know it's all about the armor of God. It says, for shoes, put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace. Having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, I looked into that. It means be ready, always be ready to give the gospel. Um, So how can we be ready? Well, Pastor Matt's preparing you. He's teaching you to be ready. He taught you the Roman road. He taught you about the Bible app, which there are several of, called Sharing Sharing the Faith, I think it's called. Um, So be ready. Know those scriptures. Find some favorite salvation scriptures on your own. One of my and memorize it. Um, my favorite to use, other than the Romans Road, is First John five eleven through thirteen. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has this this is pretty direct, right? When you're sharing, he who has the Son has life, and he who has not the Son of God does not have life. And then it says, these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. There are a lot of people that really hope that they're going to heaven. I don't know. I couldn't live in this life just hoping I was going to heaven. 
the assurance of knowing just makes us able to get through the day, doesn't it? Especially Amen. with the evil that's happening right now. Amen. Just fixing our eyes on Jesus gets us through. So we need to have, um, know the Roman road, get the app, have some favorite salvation verses. The other thing that's powerful, powerful is your testimony. Yeah. I mean, my testimony, I, I got saved and God took away my fear of dying. It's not real, you know, a huge testimony, but it's my testimony. So learn your testimony you know your testimony, but learn to give it in a succinct way to somebody. And you were 10 years old. And I was 10 years old. Did I say that? No, but that's important. Oh. Because that helps children. Yeah, I was 10 years old. I was a kid when I received Christ. And then I walked away a little bit, and then I came back at 16. What? You walked away? I didn't know that. <laughs> God, I never married her as a pastor. So another way... <laughs> Another way, another powerful tool for me personally is tracks, yeah. gospel tracks. It's the gospel in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I found out this week you can even buy them on Amazon. You can go to a Christian store, go to CBD, and find a favorite track. I picked this one, Pastor Matt, because it made me think of you. It's joy. We have some track racks. Help yourselves to them. Um, read the track. You might not want to give the track out, but if you want to learn to share your faith, read the track. It'll teach you how to share your faith. You and so, the other thing about tracks is simply this, that after you share Jesus, you put this in their hands, and yep. they can remember or read it or, or oh, yeah, this is what she said. It's oh, yeah. Seed. And yeah. lately, with all the masks and the shields, it's a great way when you're in the grocery store. I did this the other day in Hannaford. The, the cashier just looked downcast, and I said, how you doing? And she didn't look very happy, and I said, hey, I just want to share with you a message that has changed my life. It's about God, and it's in this little pamphlet. And she was like, thank you. So, you know what? Don't have the mental attitude that people are going to reject you. Well, because open. honestly, people are hungry, and people are open, and you've got living seed within you, and they're ready to receive it. I mean, the same... The same Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, for goodness sake, Come dwells on. in you. And when you received Christ, you were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the king. I'm preaching. I'm going to stop on. right there. Uh, anyway, back to the track. So last night I said to, to my husband, hey, can you go get that little track pack out of my purse? And he pulled it out. I never even realized. It's got seeds on it. Yeah. I never even realized it. Yeah. So I'm going to start calling this See, my seed pack. She's ready. She carries it in her purse wherever she goes. Yeah. So. I carry mine in my toolbox. <laughs> so now we're going to share with you some testimonies on how God has used us, your toolbox. <laughs> you don't want a little seed pack, a little purse? In my toolbox. <laughs> right, Isn't that what we are? We're tools in God's hand. He'll use any tool that's available, won't he? Um, so we're going to talk about being ready. So we were on sabbatical. Pastor Matt and the wonderful team here took over in 2014 so we could go on sabbatical. We had a little 21-foot motorhome and a beautiful English setter, and uh, we had the time of our life. Mm. But the thing is, because we weren't prepared to go on sabbatical and couldn't book campgrounds six months in advance, we, we saw the supernatural hand of God yeah. like we've never seen in our life, where we would pray, where are we supposed to go now, Lord? And we'd think, hmm, maybe we should check out Rhode Island. What do you think, Tom? Let's mosey Let's down go. the road. So anyway, we went to Rhode Island. We're at Point Judith. We've got our little motorhome parked, yep. and we're overlooking this gorgeous ocean. And 
seeing these surfers riding the waves. You'd like that. And we see a bicycle just parked by the fence right beside our RV. And it wasn't locked. And it was a nice bike. And we kind of, we were curious about yeah, that bike. And for some reason, we felt us. a little bit protective of that bike. And so hours went by, maybe four hours. And this young girl named Teresa, 22 years old, she comes over to the bike. She's sweating. She looks hot and tired. And we said, ah, that's your bike. Yeah. We were kind of keeping an eye on that bike. And she said, yeah, I'm a student. I'm new here. Um, and I she was hot. I just took a long walk. And I said, wow, you, you know, you, uh, you took a long walk. How about a drink of water? And she goes, sure. I go, well, the house is right here, you know, the motorhome. And so, honey, you know, this is Teresa. And Lynn is getting ready to make dinner. And so we give Teresa a cold drink of water. Yep. Engage well, you, in a conversation. Go ahead. Well, you can't fit a lot in a 21-foot motorhome with a dog and all. So um, my husband graciously <laughs> invites, invites I, her to dinner. Say, hey, we're just getting ready to make dinner. Why, you, why don't you stay for dinner? And this is what we had. Four pieces of cold chicken breast and a loaf of gluten-free bread. That was it. And so at that moment, I wasn't really happy with my husband. I'm like, what is he doing? He's being too friendly. And yeah, so you weren't ready, <laughs> and you weren't willing. But I was, but this, was I but, available? But she was yielded. That's important. I yielded my will to God because I see the greater picture, that more important than our me impressing her with a good meal right. is um So we set up the chairs behind the motorhome, and we just... Lifestyle evangelism, friendly. So your name is Teresa. You know, what do you do? I go to school. I'm going to school for physical therapy. I go, yeah, can you believe that? That's what I went to college for. I went to college for physical therapy. Wow, that's great. Well, what do you do? The dreaded question. Well, what do you do? Because either when you tell somebody you're a pastor, either you're going to be their psychiatrist for the next four hours or they're just or like, they're well, from you. boom. She goes, wow, I always wanted to talk to a pastor. I said, She said, uh, uh, I've got a few questions. And I said, well, well, what is it? She goes, well, my roommate is born again, and she's trying to get me to be born again. Are you by any chance born again? I said, I sure am born again. She goes, well, can I ask you a few questions? She said, I've never been able to talk to a pastor. And she asked away. Of course, what opened it up was we're sitting at the ocean. And it's so easy to say, isn't God amazing when you're at the ocean? She asked a bunch of questions. And bottom line, she gave her life to Christ right there looking out at the ocean. She prayed yeah. with my husband. Right. And can you imagine when she went back and said to her friend who had prayed, guess what I just did? This is a wild story, but I met this couple in this little motor home with this gorgeous dog. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had to add that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but can you imagine the joy in her friend who had already sown the seeds of prayer and also... See, so again, coming back to ready, willing, and available. Now, you don't have to just say, okay, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm available. In a moment's notice, you can, you can yield. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, uh, you can take this cup of suffering from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I've got a wonderful wife that's always been willing. If she knows it's God, everything goes on hold. Everything goes on hold. Okay, this is God. Tom, we need to do this. And so we're not anyone special. We were friendly, and we were listening. And when she said, my, my roommate's born again, 
Boom. That's all there was to it. How about the time when uh, um, we were going what, with that beautiful dog? Again, it was my dog. <laughs> We've had a couple of dogs, but this I'm was Lynn's lover. heart dog, our English setter, Raymond, because uh, uh, everybody loves Raymond. And so uh, we were going to visit your folks uh, in, in Screw Lake. And yep. so we we're going up the Northway. Some of you guys might be familiar with this. Just before the Chestertown exit, there's a, 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 like a little rest stop. And so uh, Raymond seemed like he was getting a little anxious. He needed to go relieve himself, so he pulled into the rest stop. And, and as we let the dog out of the car, uh, you know, you re really want to be aware of your surroundings and be observant. I, no I noticed a guy on a picnic table with his head in his hands, and he really seemed kind of despondent. And so I just kind of walked over and said, hey, you know, uh, how you doing? And he just kind of looked up, and I said, you all right? And... Uh, he just kind of mumbled and, and, and said a few things. And so um, I engaged him in just a little bit of conversation. And, uh, and I said, hey, you know, man, can I, can I just pray with you? And, um, and so I just concluded, you know, God, just bless. God, just bless this man. And, and, and you came over at and that he time. he said to you something like, um, who's God? And so... Well, you asked the question. He's like, God, God bless you. And he goes, yeah, who's God? And so Tom, I said, honey, don't you have a track in the car? Yeah, he comes to the car. Don't you have a track? And I have a track like this one company that I order from, Evantel. You can get a sample pack from them. So I had a sample pack. I'm like, yeah, I pull it out of the glove compartment. And I look, and there's a track that says, who's God and how do you find him? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, see, we were ready with the tracks because I keep them in the car, the camper, my purse. And I'm not crazy about it. I'm just ready. You know what I mean? So we took the track out. We prayed with him, explained to him how you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, he didn't pray with us right then and there. He's just sowed seed. So we sowed seed. Genuine concern compassion. Hey, buddy, you okay? Yeah. Sowed seed, maybe down the road, someone else, you know, some plant, Paul said, some water, but it's God who gives the growth. Yeah. So somewhere down the, somewhere down along the way, someone might share Christ with this man and he'll give his life to Christ. So that's an example, I think, of how we were, we were ready. Now look at Luke 22, uh, verse 42. And I, I said it uh, to you just a few moments ago, but you could see it here up on the screen. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So these, three, these are three things where we've kind of disciplined ourselves over the years to where we're ready, we're willing, and we're able. No, and, available. Uh, and then available, rather. Ready, willing, and available. Lynn, why don't you share about uh, that wonderful stranger that came to sit on your blanket. Okay, so we're trying to share a couple of testimonies on each point. This one really encompasses being ready, being ready and being willing. Um, when we were getting ready to go on sabbatical, you can only fit so much in a little RV. And so I went to the bookshelf, and like a deer in the headlights, I looked at all these books, and I thought, which one do I bring? And my eyes hit this book by Judah Smith, Jesus Is. And I started to pull out Jesus's and then I put it back and I left and I just felt this little thing in my heart that said go get that book and now I know it was the Holy Spirit so I grabbed the book Jesus is brought it with me so now we wind up in Salisbury Beach Salisbury Beach thank you Nick and Katie for telling us about that and Kylie um so 
It's our first day at Salisbury Beach. We've never been there before. I'm a kind of an introvert. And camping is a heck of a lot of work. And so we get the camper all set up, the dog walked and everything, and then we go and we sit on the beach. Ah, oh, finally. Ah, I'm alone. I'm on the beach. And then I turn to my left, and my husband's striking up conversation. Pastor Matt, you know the deal. With a guy. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm not going to get my alone time. So I'm just being transparent. I was a little in the flesh. It's Whoa. not like I'm... Um, <laughs> just a little. And so I'm sitting on the blanket, and all of a sudden, this woman plops down beside me. Total stranger. It's the guy's wife. Total stranger. And I'm like, not in a good way right there. <laughs> and an she's this little chatty Kathy, and she says, so have you ever been here before? And I said, no, it's our first time. And she goes, well, I told God, God, I want to find you at Salisbury Beach. Wow. Talk about an opening, wow. right? And I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I surrender my will to yours. And I said, wow, that's pretty profound. I said, yeah, God is an awesome creator. Look at this. He's amazing. And I said... Um, so you're finding common ground. So we're finding common ground, which is a wonderful scripture that we'll share later. And I just was kind of prayerful, kind of clinging to the Holy Spirit at that point. And I said, well, you know what? I said, I found God through accepting Jesus. And you know what she said to me? And I could cry when I tell you this. She goes, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, what book had I just pulled off the shelf? Jesus is. I said, oh, so this is an example of, I didn't intend to share the Jesus is book, but I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made me ready. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but I brought with me a book called Jesus is. And it tells everything you need to know about Jesus and what a loving Savior he is. And, um, you know, I wish I could say I went back to the camper and found the book. It was buried, and I had to do some digging. But that just kind of dragged it out, and we ministered to her over the next couple of days. When we did finally find the book, um, I brought it over to her campsite. She wasn't there. Her husband was there. And I said, well, I found this book that I promised to your wife. And he goes, what's it about, God? And I said, yeah. He goes, we're all set. We don't need it. And I said, oh, if you knew what a loving God, you know, what, how, how Jesus is described as being a very loving, merciful, forgiving God, you would want to read this book. And he goes, all right, set it on the picnic table. I'll give it to her. Bottom line, she got the book. She came to my camper one day in tears. She said, I read through the book, and we got on our knees, and she prayed right there, and she accepted Christ into her heart. Yeah. So was so, I ready? Yeah, the Holy Spirit made me ready. Was I willing? Well, you know what? There are times we have to bend our will that's it. a little, and I did in a big way. So here's a crazy thing. Uh, pastoring Matt, as you know, you know, people will just say, my mom, my dad, my loved one is in the hospital. Would you please go visit them? They're not saved and share the Lord. And it's just like, oh, man, you know, sure, I'll do that. I, they don't want it, but, you know, because you come here, I'll do that. So we had a, 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 a very good, uh, you know, they're not, they've moved since, but they were here for years. And, and her mom was in the hospital dying of cancer. She said, my mom's not saved. She's, she's a staunch atheist. Will you go visit her? I said, okay, I'll go visit her. So I go and I, I said, hi, I'm, you know, Pastor Tom from uh, Redeeming Love. And, uh, you know, your daughter asked me if I'd stop by to see you. And, 
And, you know, I exchanged a few pleasantries, and she said, well, so then she speaks up, she says, well, I really appreciate you coming, but, uh, you know, I don't feel good, so you should be going. She basically threw me out. So I go back with my tail between my legs, and I, she, her, you know, her daughter's like, well, did she receive Christ? They said, yes. Yeah. No, she threw me out. She goes, oh, oh, Pastor Tom, will you go again? No, I wanted to say no, but, uh, you know, ready, willing, and available. I'm like, okay, God, I'll go again. So I, I, the next day I go, and she was shocked to see me there because she really went out of her way to be abrasive. And I said, hi, I just thought I'd stop by and see you again. She goes, well, I really appreciate that, but, uh, you know, I, it's probably best that you get going because we really have nothing to talk about. And she threw me out again. So I told her daughter. She threw me out the second time. She goes, oh, please go see her again. Please, please go see her again. I said, oh, man. And I said, Lord, I know I'm supposed to be ready. I'm supposed to be willing, and, I, and I'm available, but uh, I'll go. I'll go. So a couple days later, I go. And she's shocked. Here I am again. I said, now, uh, Mrs. Cobb, it's, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, I know that you have cancer and, uh, you know, you're, you're in your end stages. And uh, I'd really like to share Jesus with you. And she said, well, I really don't want to hear about him. And I said, Mrs. Cobb, for, you know, she was a very, very formal woman, you know, played in symphonies and, you know, the, you know, the music that you hear, you know, not Grand Funk Railroad kind of stuff, you know. So uh, I, say, I said to her, um, Mrs. Cobb, excuse me, but as I understand it, you're at the end of your life and you are about to die and most likely go to hell because Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. So you're really without options. And I'd really like to share God's love with you. She said, very well, Reverend, proceed. <laughs> I, I don't really talk like that, do I? You were snatching her from the fire. But that's what the scripture says. But the Holy Spirit prompted me to speak yeah. that way. Yeah. Very well, Reverend, pray. And so she gave her life to Christ right there. And two weeks later, uh, we were out uh, in, um, uh, actually on vacation. And we got the phone call. We were up by Lake Champlain. Uh, no, we were on Cape Cod, and she passed, and her daughter said, would you please bury my mom? So we, you know, canceled vacation, drove home, drove up to Lake Champlain, and, and, and buried her, knowing that she gave her life to Christ. So again, there are times when, you know, we must be willing. That's a key, be willing. So you got time for just a couple of more real quick. We'll make them quick, and then we're, we're going to end. Pastor Matt said we had an hour and a half. So um, uh, real quick, let's just share the last one there about available. You want me to share mine? Or? Yeah, that's where you were in the... In the uh, no, I'll share mine because you're going to share this last. Real, and, and, and real quick. I lived on the end of Long Island for 10 years in the, in the Hamptons, uh, which was unbelievable. And so I moved out there and um, I found two guys that were believers, and they had never heard about uh, street witnessing or sharing your faith. So I grabbed them, and every Friday we went out and we prayer walked the village of East Hampton. We just prayer walked it. I said, so look, look, we're not going to share our faith. We're just going to prayer walk it. We want to get a pulse. We want to take authority. And, uh, 
and, uh, and then we'll, we'll come to see if someone is, is available. And so we found out where all the teenagers used to smoke dope, and, and we walked over there, and, uh, and you know, uh, they said, once they found out that we were Christians, ah, Jesus freaks, Jesus freaks, you know. So I'm a young man, like, in my 20s, and, and, uh, and so they're, like, hurtling, you know, yeah, Jesus freaks, stay away from him, stay away from him. I said, look, we're coming back next Friday. We're going to share the Lord. So we came back next Friday, the next Friday, the next Friday, the next Friday. Finally, one kid, one kid, Tom Ward, one kid broke out of the pack. He goes, hey, man, what is this stuff all about? And they're like, don't go, man. Don't listen to him. And so we just shared Jesus with this one teenager. And he gave his life to Christ right there on the street. I'm telling you, in less than six weeks, 30 teenagers got saved. In less than six weeks, 30 teenagers got saved. I couldn't fit any more of the kids in my house, so we rented a storefront. I had no intention of pastoring. I was just sharing my faith. Then, then older people, you know, were hearing the buzz about, man, something crazy is happening, and you don't have a storefront church in the Hamptons. That's just like, you don't do that. And so I was I was uh, uh, going to Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle. My pastor, Bob Forseth, you know, was excited. We were bringing kids up to church. He was meeting them. And, you know, six, seven months later, I said, Pastor Forseth, you got to send somebody out here. This thing is growing. We've got 80, 90 people. You got to do something. And so he said, well, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. And so one day then I, I came to visit him. And I, he goes, look, I got a pastor. He goes, I want to introduce you to him. And, you know, his elders were coming out. His associate pastors were coming out. He puts his arm around me. We walk down the hall. We stop in front of a mirror. He goes, there's the pastor. I said, you're leaving this church. There's 2,000 people in this church. You're leaving this church to come out to the Hamptons. He goes, no, we're sending you out to pastor. That church is still alive today. It's on its one, two, three. After I pastored 10 years, another guy went 25 years, and now there's another pastor in there now. It's still going today, but it just started. It just started by being available. God, we're going to make ourselves available every Friday night to share your love with whoever will listen. It's going today just by being available. Honey, why don't you end with yours? So that was an example of being deliberately available, and we all have those times. Um, other times, we just have to live with a heart that's available, a heart attitude of availability. So I'm going to share with you the most awesome soul-winning experience of my life. Um, some of you women, bear with me. You've heard this before. Um, so I was in my early 20s, and I was home for the weekend, and I was brokenhearted over a broken relationship and um, very... She didn't know what was up there. I didn't know what God had for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have grieved. But anyway, my heart was really broken. I was in a bad way. In fact, I was in such a, a kind of a funk that um, my mom dropped me off at the bus station in Springfield, Mass., to go back to college. And I showed up maybe an hour and a half early to the bus station because I had the schedule mixed up because I really wasn't paying attention. So when she left, I'm sitting there, and I realize, oh, I've got all this time. So what do I do? I pull out the book that I'm studying called Hermeneutics. Now, if any of you know what hermeneutics is, it's how to study the Bible. So I'm sitting down with my book, <laughs> Hermeneutics, and this girl sits down next to me, and she's about my age, and she says, do you mind telling me what you're studying? 
And I said, well, it's a book about how to study the Bible. And she says, oh, I used to go to church when I was young, but I've really walked away from the Lord. And I said, well, you know, you can come back anytime. And so somehow we started to talk about John 3.16, and I was sharing John 3.16. So in being ready, even if all you know is John 3.16, you can pause and explain the gospel through that. But the important thing is you were in no mood. I was in no mood to talk to anyone, right? Right, right. So I'm being blatantly honest with you. Some of the most remarkable um, times were when I was not the most spiritual. (laughs) So this is how it happened. I'm talking to her about the gospel. She's getting this heart to recommit her life to the Lord. And I feel somebody twirling my hair. And I turn around, and there's this older, drunk man sitting behind me that looks like he's from the streets, and he's twirling my hair. And I'm like, God, I am in no mood for this. But I was available. So he says, what you looking at to the two of us? And he looks over, and he heard us mention John 3.16. And he said, oh, John 3.16, I learned that when I was a child. And he starts to recite it. And she starts to recite it with him. And I'm like, okay. And so the three of us are reciting John 3.16. In the bus station. In the bus station in Springfield, Mass. And it was a crowded bus station. So bottom line, I start giving him the gospel, start to witness to him, and he's hard of hearing. So it's not enough that I'm sharing the gospel. Now I got to yell, which we're used to doing now, right, with mom. What? But but I'm literally like raising the volume so this man can, can hear. I really believe before God that God sobered this man because he went from just kind of lolling around and twirling my hair to being so sober and so somber. So I'm witnessing to him. People are literally starting to gather around and people are turning around and listening. And I said to him, um, oh, this was what, what touched my heart. You know what? If we're available, God's ability comes through us. So he, he said gives to us me, his words. he gives us the words to say right at the right time. So I said to him, yeah, God so loved the world. I said, sir, God loves you. And he went just like this. He goes, God loves me. And I said, yes, God loves you. But he, he said, God he goes, couldn't because of what I've done. But you don't understand I shot a man. You don't understand I've been in jail. I didn't even have the words to say. All I could say was God loves you. And I must have said it 15 times. That was all God gave me to say. He said, but you don't understand. God loves you. But, but I shot a man. God loves you. But I was in jail. I said, God loves you. And all of a sudden, it's sinking in and he goes, God loves me? God loves me. God loves me? God loves me? And he just kept like babbling it in different ways. And I was like, yes, God loves you. And I kid you not, he went like this. And he looked at his hands and they were all tears. He goes, I'm crying. I haven't cried since I was a child. And I think there's something psychological to that where you shut down. He goes, I'm crying. Look at me. I'm crying. God loves me. I'm crying. God loves me. God loves me. And I said to him, bow your head right now. See, this was time to close the deal. I said, bow your head right now. Everybody's watching me, right? Bow your head right now. And this girl is like praying beside me, and she's with me on it. 
and he, and he bows his little head, and he puts his hands together like this, and I said, dear Lord, and just then the security guard comes over, and he grabs him by the arm, and he says, buddy, quit harassing these two young ladies. Come on, and he pulls him away, and I'm like, no, don't take them away. It's okay, it's okay. Somebody must have reported it. So they take him out of the bus station, and now I'm like, oh, God. He's just <laughs> I was in no mood. Saved. This was the most profound experience ever. Talk about the enemy snatching the seed. And now I'm like, oh, God, and I was really down. And so I was just like having this conversation with God. All of a sudden, this guy sneaks back into the bus station. He walks over. He sits down. He goes, quick, finish the prayer. <laughs> and, and I prayed, Lord Jesus, save him and come into. And he prayed the prayer in tears. And then he just left me. I don't know if I hugged him or what happened, but he left. And the rest is history. And I went back. And you know what? My troubles were lifted. Mm. Like, I was not in my little funk anymore. I was the happiest I've been in ages. Yeah. I yeah. still think about that. That was just a sign and a wonder. And yeah. he's know, an amazing God. This happens every day. Uh, ser seriously. Not this, quite like that, but. Every day. And again, not because I'm retired, but every day. We're ready. We're willing. We're available. Every day we, we walk, you know, our Aussie a couple of miles a day. Just yesterday, just walking the dog, I go past one of the neighbors, and his, his uh, zero turn is stuck in the mud. And I said, um, and, and he's walking away to, to get another piece of equipment to pull it out. Well, I know you, you need two people to pull this out. This isn't going to work well. So I said to Lynn, I'm going to stay and help this guy. He's kind of new to the neighborhood. We only talked to him maybe once briefly. She's like, honey, well, we got to study. I go, no, no, the Spirit of God's prompted me to talk about this, to help this guy. Bonnie, we got to do this. Oh, but the Spirit of God's prompting me. Yeah. And so I just went, I said, hey, can you, can you use a hand? He goes, yeah, jump up in the tractor and, and you know, you pull while, while I go. I didn't share Jesus with him, but I sowed God's seed of compassion and caring. Yeah. And immediately he's like, hey, you want to see this new thing I built? We went to another level from being, you know, virtual strangers to another level in, in which, which is wonderful. But if you've got a helps gift, sow the helps yeah. gift. We want to leave you with this. Go ahead, Lynn. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. Okay, put my glasses on. Put your glasses on, honey. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Now, I did this intentionally. When Lynn was speaking, I sat down. When you go out two by two and someone is sharing, and if someone, and if the person who's speaking has their attention, kind of just be quiet. Don't compete. There's no competition. Pray for the person sharing. Don't say, yeah, but, but, but wait, wait, I want to share my testimony. Be quiet and let the person whom God is anointing at that moment speak. And you sit back and you pray quietly under your breath. God, open their heart. Go ahead, honey. So on August, do I have time for one more? So August 16th was my birthday. And... Um, 
And literally, I was in the bedroom, and I was just having my quiet time with the Lord. And Tom walked in, and he said, honey, what do you want to do for your birthday? You want to go to lunch? You want to do this? You know, is there anything special you want me to buy you? And I was just having one of those days where I thought, I don't want anything materialistic. And I was kind of down about some things going on in the world right now. And when you left and you shut the door, I put my head in my hands and I said, God, like nothing satisfies. All I want to know is that I've made a difference in somebody's life. So an hour later, we're going to breakfast with Stephanie Fembo, who shares the same birthday, and I get a phone call. It's a woman that we led to the Lord on sabbatical in 2014. And she calls and she says, I just have to tell you too that my husband and I don't know where we would be or what we would do without you having been in our lives. She said, not only that, you shared the gospel with me. She said, guess what? I just led my friend to the Lord and I'm teaching her the Bible just like you taught me. So this was August 16th, and I was like, wow, God, you're so good. So this is the next level. The disciples pass it on to us. We pass it on. Now she passed it on. And that, that just, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. The seed reproducing. Yeah. Healthy things reproduce. So we want to thank you for the opportunity to, to just share with you. And we want to leave you with this. If you get anything out of this morning, just please remember ready, willing, and available. Watch God work. And then watch God do amazing things when you wake up every morning and you, you just bow your head and you say, God, I, I guess Proverbs 16, 9 says this, yeah. and we pray this. Even though a man's mind plans his way, the Lord orders his footsteps. So God, we are ready, willing, and available. Order our footsteps today. We've made plans, we have an agenda, but you are, we are willing for you to interrupt that yes. to do whatever you desire to do. God bless you. Thank you. We know we've went over. Okay, sorry, Pastor Matt. And uh, thank you so much. Amen. Amen.